Hey, welcome back to the Pastor's Bible Study here from Desert Foothill Studios. Yep. Coming to you live on Wednesday. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been a fun journey. We're getting near the end. We're not at the end yet. Uh, but the book of Acts, uh, that historical account that Luke researched and interviewed uh, and wrote uh, for Theophilus and for uh, everyone uh, who comes generations uh, after them to see what the early church was doing and how the first followers of the way, as they called it, Christianity today, um, lived and how they spread the gospel and and really the hardships that they faced. It's really uh, amazing to stop and just pause every you know chapter. There's some just great, seemingly insurmountable, like, okay, well, this is the end of the this religion yeah this is the end of it yeah the jews are against it the roman government's squashing it uh but uh obviously god's plans cannot be foiled and doesn't that give us like so much more credence into uh christianity or god's word itself that it went through all those onslaughts and not just even in this book but through so many different centuries and that it still succeeds over time, like you mentioned, because of God's will. And even for us as Christians today, looking at truly, I don't know how else to put it, how easy we have it, how how easy we have it, uh, <clears throat> even in our text today, just listen to Paul's journey and what he comes up against. Uh, it's hard, I think, even to get a picture of it in your mind sometimes. Oh, they punched him in the face here. Oh, he was in prison again here. He got arrested again. Yeah. Oh, there's a plot to kill him. It's just like, oh, it kind of just reads through. But think about each and every one of those things, especially today as we go through our text. Yeah, let's jump in. We're in chapter 23, the right kind of in the middle. We're going to pick it up in verse 12 and continue on through chapter 24. So the plot to kill Paul. The next morning, I remember Paul was just arrested, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a little context from last week, just to make sure we're all up to date. Paul's returned to Jerusalem. He's had three missionary journeys uh, throughout Asia Minor, around the Mediterranean Rim. He's come back to Jerusalem uh, to check back in, of course, with the church uh, leaders and to uh, bring an offering for the poor in Jerusalem. And there, uh, the Jews from Asia had come in and made up these false charges, got mm -hmm. him arrested, basically. All right, so here he is. This is uh, verse 12. The next morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin, petition the commander, this is the Roman commander, to bring him, that's Paul, before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information on his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. That's a pretty serious uh, dedication there. They're saying we're not going to eat or drink. Yeah, true hanger right there. <laughs> now <you have. laughs> Until we kill him. 16. But when the son of Paul's sister, that would be his nephew in our language, uh, when his, Paul's nephew heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, 
Paul, the prisoner, sent, sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside, and asked, What is it you want to tell me? He said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them, because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man and cautioned him, don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. All right, so we see God's hand in this. Mm -hmm. Um, Somehow, we don't know the relationships, uh, but obviously it's in Jerusalem. There's Jews and... And people are always talking. The way, everywhere, right. Right. I mean, you, you get over 40 of these individuals. Somebody has told their, their wife, and their wife has told their well, friend and well, somebody and else. And, and maybe their kid was in the house when they heard yeah, it, and then yeah. they're out playing basketball on the street. And Paul's <laughs> basketball. <nephew. laughs> they probably played soccer. He's got the word. <laughs> in Israel, right? But anyway, uh, and the other kids, hey, hey, they're going to kill this. Oh, wow. So he's like, hey, that's my uncle. Yeah. Well, at least he listens to them, right? Takes takes right. them aside, actually takes time to be able to listen to them. And right. so uh, he puts a plan himself to be able to combat this. I think uh, one of the things this points out is Paul was very wise uh, last week, if you recall, to, to put himself under Roman protection mm. uh, because of first yeah. the Jews that had arrested him. And he's like, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a Roman, Roman citizen. Yeah. And uh, so that was that was probably a pretty good move. All right, verse 23. You want to keep going or you want me to pick up? Uh, I'll finish this one. All right. You can take 24. How about that? Uh-huh. So this is the commander. Uh, he called two of his centurions and ordered them, get ready a detachment of, look at this, 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, cavalry, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide mounts for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. And then he wrote this letter. Uh, Claudius Lysias, to the Excellency, Governor Felix, greetings. And this is, the, this is a, I think this is so cool. If you think about how did this get here? Luke found this letter yeah. and was able to copy it into his text, yeah. into his I, I thought the same account. thing when I was reviewing this today, yeah. Um, so... Verse 27 in Acts, but this is an actual letter that uh, the commander of the Roman guards in Jerusalem wrote to the governor, the Roman governor, up in Caesarea. This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him, for I had learned that he is a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their synagogue. I found that the accusations had to do with questions about their law. But there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. I would say even imprisonment. Yeah. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. Uh, That's the letter. Uh, Verse 31. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with them during the night and brought him as far as Antipatris. This is about... 70 miles uh, north of Jerusalem. The next day, they let the cavalry go on with him uh, while they returned to the barracks. 
When the cavalry arrived in Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. Treated with uh, respect. Yeah. A kind of a house arrest. Yeah. Um, I love that letter's in there, like you mentioned, oh, yeah. too. That's so neat because at any point somebody could have been like, that's not true. You know, that letter doesn't doesn't exist. You know, yeah. you wouldn't put something in there if you were creating a fictitious story, right? Or trying to add on to something else and to take away from the authenticity. And so it's it's really neat to be able to see this other historical document that people, especially at that time, would have been able to say, yeah, this you know, this did happen. This is a part of this. These guys really are telling uh, historical events that took place. Yeah. Um, a couple of points. So Lysias, the uh, Roman commander uh, in Jerusalem, uh, the colonel, if you will, uh, the military, uh, in his letter he talked about, oh, I came in and I rescued Paul. Um because he's a Roman citizen, he left out the little part about, well, I was about to whip him. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, wait a second. <laughs> oh, Roman. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, that, and you would expect that, right? Sure. You're not going to, you're going to put yourself you in the best life. You can stuff. Or, you yeah. can. And then, um, yeah, just the, uh, uh, this, uh, the way that God worked through the little boy and through the, through the kind of the Roman government in, in this area of the world through the government to protect Paul. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was quite the the army that uh, guarded yeah, him. Yeah, 470 guys, right? Is it Versus 270, 200? Remember, there were 40 guys who were plotting to... <laughs> They're also super hungry and dehydrated, <laughs> right? So even if these guys see, like, they're waiting in the bushes with their little daggers, and all of a sudden they see all these trained soldiers, right, yeah. coming up, and they're outnumbered, what, six to one, you know? And all of a sudden, you know... Uh, even if they did come across them, they're not going to do this. But it seems like they even try to go, what, at 9 o'clock at night, it says. So they're trying to even go beyond these guys when they wouldn't expect them. Oh, yeah. I was going to look at, uh, Paul wrote uh, this letter to the Ephesian Christians. Uh, chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 18 to 23. He said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incom- incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. Governor, centurion, commander, uh, every title, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Mm. Uh, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I just, uh, just another reminder, we've talked a little bit here uh, as the election season has been upon us, of just God's control over the whole universe. And Paul has this really great testimony here of his own life uh, hanging in the balance and seeing God's power uh, work through, again, from a little boy uh, 
to the mighty Roman Empire. That's a great one to be able to read. Like you said, not only thinking about whether it be turmoil that we currently are in, but even looking forward. Because, uh, I mean, isn't that the, the subtitle of that's, uh, Paul's Thanksgiving prayer that he puts forth to God? That mm -hmm. even in the midst of all these things, that he is bringing forth this, this thanks. And, I mean, think about that. Paul being able to do that in his scenario. You know, what is our scenario? It's, it, I know we say it quite often, but it's so easy just to go to God for the things that we need or the things that we want. And do we forget sometimes, you know, we need to go to him at all times, especially for the things that we can be thankful for. I mean, if you just take time today and just maybe you say, hey, I'm going to write down 10 things that I can be thankful for, I promise you'll, you'll come up with them quick. It doesn't have to be these big elements. There are some very small, minute items in our life that we should be very thankful for that make a huge difference that we just pass by every day because they're so normal yeah. to us, you know. No, that's a great, that's a great thought there. And and even to maybe make it more challenging, do do 10 things you're grateful for, just kind of what you naturally think of. And then come up with 10 things that maybe you aren't thankful for, but maybe you should be. Yeah, that's a good Being one. in prison? Yeah. I mean, uh, I arrested, falsely accused. I had a period like that that I was trying to really just be so purposeful about that. For example, uh, I had a time when we were trying to, we're trying to swap the dishwasher out at the house, and I got uh, three different dishwashers that all came in, and they were all, every one of them was def defective, oh. every single one of them. <laughs> and it was just such a pain. You know, one was leaking, one didn't start at all, and like they all had their own problem. And I, and it, I have done this, so I don't know how many of out there have actually installed a dishwasher before. But it is a real pain in the what <laughs> yeah. to get your hand yeah. under there to put on the water line. And you think you got everything right, you know. And I don't know. Most of them are hardwired. It's not like you plug it Correct. into the wall. Yeah. You know, like the wires go together. Oh, but I finally started, instead of grumbling about it, I thought, you know what? It's a pain. Uh, I really should actually, and this could go for anything, whether it's having car problems, mm -hmm. problems at your job, whatever. Uh, at least, you know, God allows me to have this blessing, to have a dishwasher in my house. Jeez, I mean, think about across the world, uh, people that don't even have clean water accessible to them, right? They're walking miles to be able to get clean water. Or your car when you know, oh, great, that it's the air is getting colder. I got to go fill my tires up. The air pressure is dropping. It's like this complaint that we make, right? And we yeah. should think, at least that we have transportation. But yeah. there's so many things uh, that we can thank God for, even just the things we just don't even recognize that we we shouldn't be complaining so much in our life, I think is what I'm getting down to. Right. And and we can put our confidence in, in Jesus Christ. And I think when Paul kept going, I think that's what he was saying in, in Ephesians 1, is that I mean, the darkest day in the history of the universe was Good Friday. Hmm. I mean, God's son, the Messiah, was killed. And Paul says it's that same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is in, in us, at work in our lives today. Uh, yeah. And now that he is risen and ascended, he says, sits at the right hand, reigning and ruling over all things for the good of his church, for the good of his people, his children. So even when it looks like, well, maybe we shouldn't even say look like, even when bad things are happening. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, bad things do happen. Uh, but even when those things happen, God is still in control. Yep. And it worked. All right, let's move on to chapter 24 here. We have a trial before Felix. Uh, five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea 
with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus and brought their charges against Paul before the governor. Uh, let me just interrupt you right there. Yeah. I don't want to slow you down too much, but but uh, five days. Oh. <laughs> now, this wasn't, they didn't have Southwest. Uh, you know, they didn't just jump on the train. and. We were I just mean, communications, yeah. I mean, these guys wasted no time in getting to Jerusalem. Like, they found out Paul was taken by night, and, like, they packed up their stuff that day and hit the road. They were coming after Paul. Well, yep. and you got to think, they're probably getting pretty hungry. <laughs> when Paul called in Tertullus, presented his case before Felix, we've enjoyed a long period of peace under uh, you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all of these charges we are bringing against him. The Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. Uh, so right away here, it's interesting how they address Felix, right? Kind of uh, oh, butter him up. Yeah. Like, oh, we really like you. <laughs> yeah. All these different things, right? Oh, long period of peace. Yeah. For, your foresight, like yeah. it, it's like this child coming to their parent or something, right? Trying to be able to get something, and then really playing this up of like who Paul basically is not, at least in truth. He's this ringleader. Mm -hmm. He's stirring up rights all right over the world. You know, it, it's saying, this is why we've seized him. You know, we're bringing him to you. You're going to be able to right. see this. And the ringleader of a sect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just has a... It, it's all the, all of it's, they used all the positive terms when they're trying to get something from somebody, right? And then used all the negative terms when they were trying to put somebody down. Again, these things never happen in our world today. Yeah. We don't see these, but this is <laughs> this is how it goes about all right, let's keep moving. Uh, verse 10. Uh, when the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make, uh, I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, and they cannot prove to you the charges that they are making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as, I, as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that is written in the prophets, and I have the same hope in God as these men, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So, so Paul's defending himself. Yeah. So they call him a troublemaker, and he says, hey, I've only been in Jerusalem for 12 days. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't stirred up. What, what could I have done, and you know, what kind of a mob could I stirred up in that time? And uh, what, the ringleader, ringleader of a sect? He's like, we're not a sect. Uh, we follow the same God. We worship Yahweh. We recognize Jesus. 
And he's even got a timeline, right? He says, you know, you can verify more mm -hmm. than 12 days ago. You, you know, ask some people. Yeah, you want to bring some witnesses in here? Let's start Let's start talking about this and seeing, and this is what I do. He even says, though, like, I admit, right? Yeah, they're talking about that I worship this God. They call it a sect. You know, this is what I am a part of. So he's very honest and open in his rebuttal, if you will. All right, it says, after, verse 17, after an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring... Uh, my people, gifts for the poor, uh, remember that for a little bit from now, and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the providence of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless uh, it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. It is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Yeah, so the, the third accusation really against him was that he was desecrated the temple. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And he said, no, I came to brought gifts for the poor. I brought offerings to the temple. I was ceremonially clean when I went to the temple. I follow the law. I believe in the prophets. Um, it just goes to this, I guess, the resurrection of the dead. And he mentions these like uh, these Jews from Asia, and he said, you know, why aren't these guys here? You know, these There's people are supposed to, you know, why aren't these guys that are supposedly these witnesses of what happened, why aren't they here? Like, you know, if they really had something against me, they should be here. Mm -hmm. And same thing, he sticks true to his word, right? The only reason they're really upset with me, let me tell you, because I talked about this resurrection of the dead. And yes, it is something uh, that I believe. Uh, but Felix seems to have uh, some knowledge of this, and so he continues then here too. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Now, there's a little sub-note there, just kind of context, because... Yes. Uh, when you were put in prison, prison, uh, in this day, you were really on your own. I mean, like, yeah. the government didn't really buy, feed you three meals a day no. or give you a new set of clothes next week and whatever month. And yeah, uh, you depended on your family, or your friends to come and give you these necessities even. So, uh, the fact that he, but he, and a lot of times that wouldn't be allowed too, right? They, yeah. If they were thrown down in you know, uh, in the dark dungeon area there where Paul has been kept before, there's no contact with the outside world. Right. Sometimes not even the contact necessarily with, with light, you mm -hmm. know. And so, yeah, that was something that was obviously better. Good point. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 24. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish. Jewish. Yep. She sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul coursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Yeah, so uh, Felix and his wife probably had a, just a real curiosity uh, about Paul and what he had to say. 
And so they invited him to come and speak and shock. I wonder what Paul talked about. Yeah. Right? I mean, every time he got the chance to speak, well, he spoke about Jesus. Yeah, he's talking about that resurrection of the dead. He's he talking about stop. This, this judgment that is there, right? And obviously it does something to the heart of Felix as it mentions that he is afraid. He even cuts him off, right? That's enough for now. Yeah. Yeah. i got to kind of process this a little bit. I can't take any anymore. Right. But uh, interestingly enough, right, he, he's got somebody thinking about this, mm-hmm. and even in his current state, always pushing forth that gospel message. And so this is the, this is, uh, we talk about this back, way back in confirmation class. I don't know, maybe you remember this, but we talk about uh, rightly dividing or rightly discerning God's word between law and gospel. And uh, when you read the word, when you hear the word, we, in our cases, we teach or preach the word. It just kind of it broadcasts out there. I think like a radio antenna. It just, yeah. The gospel's going out there. And only the Holy Spirit controls whether it hits a person as law or as gospel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really can't, really can't control that. And I think about uh, if, I'm, if it's uh, Mother's Day, Saint Mother's Day, we, we call it <laughs> in the church sometimes. Can't, you always have to mention Mother's Day when it's Mother's Day. But at any rate. Good rule. Yeah, yeah, you got to mention it uh, in your sermon. But anyway, uh, say it's Mother's Day and, you know, you say, uh, you know, dads, uh, something would be really nice this afternoon. Why don't you watch the kids? Let your wife go get her nails done. Go shop, whatever she likes to, to do. Well, that's kind of like third use. Well, let me just say it this way. It's law. Right? It kind of goes out there. Uh, but how people respond to that is it's up to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So there might be somebody who is a very loving, faithful husband. He's sitting there. He's like, oh, this is a great way I can be a, a real Christian husband. I can give something, my time. I'm not going to watch the football game today, take the kids out biking or something, and my wife can do this. So it's kind of this, I'm doing this because I love the Lord and I love my wife. Well, there might be, though, those same words are spoken, but the guy sitting in the pew in front of him, maybe he's been on a business trip for two weeks. He feels like he's been a terrible husband, a terrible father, hasn't been there. And you say that you need to, and all he thinks of, that's what I should have been doing all this time. Yeah. I just feel so guilty that um, I haven't been thinking about my wife, brought her flowers or something I could have been doing. And so I just think that's so, I don't know, it's, it's amazing to me that it's out of my hands that I just kind of share God's word. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit kind of works. So obviously the Holy Spirit's working, the point is in Felix right now, is law, like conviction. Yes. And he realizes, wow, if everything he's saying is true, I, I might be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I could be punished. And there's goodness to that, right? I think when, when people hear the law, they think, oh, law equals bad, you know, but really... Uh, the law is what points us to knowing is Felix, here's, I need something else. Mm-hmm. You know, what will save me? And that's what draws us to Christ. Even in our own lives, when we recognize, man, I, I blew it on that one. I, I, I shouldn't be doing this. You know, that's the law working on you, pointing you to say, well, yeah, and you need forgiveness from these things going back mm-hmm. to your Savior. And so just, again, I, I don't know, I think that's exciting to be able to see this. Who knows what happens? With, with Felix, ultimately, except for the Lord, but it's neat to see his heart at this uh, point, and not only his, but his wife's, you know, being able to consume this news. Funny thing here, too, it talks about 
uh, when it's convenient, I'm going to send for you. And it says that he sends for Paul frequently because he wants this bribe. And that's what I was mentioning back in this uh a couple verses back yeah. here when it's yeah. talking about that Paul brings these good gifts to the poor, that he's presenting these offerings. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Felix thinks, man, this guy's got, he's just bringing stuff, just giving it away. Well, where's my piece of the pie here? He's got to have something right. hiding, you know, out by a tree somewhere just outside the city. And so right. any moment now, he's going to be like, hey, if you're going to let me out of here, I got some gold and stuff I can give to you. So he keeps calling him, you know, hoping to get his payday here too. Yeah, that's, that is funny. Very true. So much time again, then too. Like we always talk about this, and you read the verse, blows by in a second. Yeah, it, it was like two years. Two in Caesarea. years. I tell you the truth. After before I looked at this this week, like I I didn't remember that. I didn't have any idea that this in this part of this text that this took that amount of time. The the book just blows by too fast. So again, you know, what did my life look like, or your life look like? You know, two years. Ago, imagine what has happened in that amount of time, and for was, Paul to be in this scenario now. I was going to movie theaters, <laughs> I was going out to eat at restaurants. It yeah, was, it was a crazy world. <laughs> so different. Two years, a lot changes. Makes a big difference. Yeah, and then at the end, uh, so um, Felix is stepping down, or he's moving on to another post. However, wherever he went, Felix is coming in, and this would have been. The time, like any transition of an executive, right? You, you do all your pardons. You pardon this person, you pardon that person, and, and you go. And um, as much as I guess he kind of liked Paul, at least he was intrigued by Paul, he uh, did not give him a pardon. Um, he just let him sit in jail. And all for one reason it mentions, right? To grant favor to the Jews. Uh, Felix is somebody, if you look at some of the notes on him, that uh, he does some good things while he's in office, but he isn't really somebody who's noteworthy necessarily in history. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do a whole lot. Actually, some people, it seems like in a lot of the notes, actually come down upon him from not doing enough, especially toward the end of his reign. And this seems to be at a time period when he's just like, hey, I, I need the best graces. Last thing I need to do is go out on an even worse mm-hmm. note. And so just to be able to please a certain group of people, uh, he leaves Paul in prison. Yeah. Well... I think that's that's, that's a wrap up for today. A lot of a lot of content. Thanks for sticking with us today. Uh, why don't we close for prayer and hope that you join us this next week, uh, dear Lord? We ask that you will take these words and place them upon uh, our heart. Is both law and gospel today, uh, so that we will recognize that we are sinners who are in need of a great and gracious Savior that you have freely provided in Christ. Lord, uh, bring us today uh, in knowing this news to be able to come to you with prayers and words of thanksgiving uh, for all that which you continue to provide for us now and have provided for us in our past. Uh, Lord, just the hope that we have in you and the recognition of the promise for your second coming is more than uh, enough to be able to energize us and push us forward every day. And so allow us uh, each to be like Paul, to be able to share these great words and to be able to tell all we come in contact with about who your son is and what he has done for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for joining us.